1208, Jeff Wagner. Glad to have you with us. This is the day before Thanksgiving show. We do not go gently into the good holiday 54 years ago today. And this is one of these sort of seminal things. Um, There are certain things that occur in life. Um, If you were around on, of course, September 11th, 2001, you remember where you were. If you were alive on December 7th, 1941, the Pearl Harbor attack, you remember where you were. And if you were alive today, back in 1963, you remember where you were. Today is, of course, the day of the Kennedy assassination. Um, The assassination occurred in Dallas at 1230 today, Friday, November 22nd. Um, So about 22 minutes from now, 54 years ago. I remember I was in first grade. I can remember the the principal. This was, of course, before Al Gore invented the Internet and all. And I I remember the principal um, came in. I was in first grade in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, actually. And I can remember the principal coming in, and they made this announcement, and they sent you home, and everybody sat around. at that Back at that day, there might have been color televisions, but there weren't too many of them, and it was only the rich people that had them. And I can remember just watching on the black and white TV the entire, the entire weekend as everything unfolded. And it was just such a bizarre time because you not only had the assassination of the president, something that was unthinkable, but then... You had the murder of Lee Harvey Oswald um, shortly thereafter, and you can just remember that the funeral that they had, it was just th- this entire period of time. If you were alive then, you just remember it, it just vividly. It's one of those things that just stays with you. If you ever have the opportunity to get to Dallas, um, what you need to do is you, you need to go by the Texas Book Depository. They've, they've now uh, turned it into, um, it, it is open to the general public, and it's, um, again, a, a part of the, the natural history, American history. And you can go up. You can go up to the floor. You can actually actually see the window where Oswald shot out of. And, yes, I don't buy these conspiracy theories. You can go down and you can stand on the street, you know, where the shots were fired. And for everybody who buys into the conspiracy theories, who saw Oliver Stone's movie and things like that, if you're actually there and you see where the grassy knoll was and you see where the car was and you see where the window was, it, it, it's very apparent that, I mean, it happened like law enforcement, like authorities say it happened. You, you can easily visualize this. But if you ever get a chance to go to what is now a museum, um, the Texas Book Depository, I, I highly encourage you to do it. The last time I was in Dallas was from when the Packers won the Super Bowl there, what, five or six years ago. And, um, of course, everybody was there. It was incredibly crowded. I would love an opportunity as somebody who loves American history for the chance to go back and really spend some more time there. But I highly, highly recommend it. Um, you can really get a feel and, and see what what things must have been like. 54 years ago today. All right, we start off our program like we start off every program. Three big things. Before that, though, coming up in the 1 o'clock hour, um, we're, there's a controversy involving a, a light display. Um, here we have Candy Cane Lane. Um, there's a city where they have a, a, a public display of lights, and people put up various Christmas lights and hollow, uh, holiday lights. Um, the One of the peace groups 
has put up a, a lighted coexist sign, and it's creating a, a controversy. Um, we're going to be talking about this in the 1 o'clock hour, but if you want to see the, the sign in context, you can text us the word coexist, C-O-E-X-I-S-T, coexist to 414-799-1620. And again, I'll describe what the story is, but if you actually want to see what the sign looks like, that that's fine. Speaking of uh, four, so four one four seven nine nine one six twenty, text us the word coexist, and I'll send you a link to the story. You can see what the the various lights are and things like that. Interesting. As an aside, Gru, who's producing the show today, I drove up to the Packers game on on Sunday, and so we're going up forty one forty five, and I and this is a true story. Most people are driving responsibly. There were four cars, and, and I was counting them that I thought if they weren't in an automobile accident, it was only but for the grace of God. I'm talking about speeding. I'm talking about weaving in and out of traffic, you know, that, that really dangerous sort of stuff. One of the cars had a fine gold bumper sticker on. Two of the cars had coexist bumper stickers on. And the fourth one had a fine gold and a coexist bumper sticker on. So would be if you're going to put one of those bumper stickers on your car, maybe you should try to drive not like a complete and total jack wagon. But I digress. We start off today's show like we start off every show, three big things. Here's story number one. Another day, another wrong way driver. Journal Sentinel's Meg Jones is reporting this. Milwaukee man arrested over the weekend, cited for driving the wrong way on Interstate 43 and crashing head on into another vehicle injuring two other motorists, according to uh, what the sheriff's department says. 48-year-old guy arrested after his car slammed into a car driven by a 31-year-old woman on I-43 about 10.35 Saturday night. Uh, Apparently, Whitefish Bay police tried to stop this clown from speeding. While trying to flee, of course, he entered southbound I-43 exit ramp at Silver Spring, heading north. So you've got the guy driving the wrong way. He crashed into a southbound vehicle at Daphne Road, um, seriously injuring the driver. So this is, you know, Glendale. It's right right up by Bayshore is where all this happens. A passenger in the other driver's vehicle sustained minor injuries. Second vehicle was hit by debris from the crash. So once again, you have this bozo who, like everybody nowadays, apparently tries to flee from the police. This idiot gets on the freeway going the wrong way. Um, He was issued citations. Now, get this. The Sheriff's Department is going to be seeking charges of first-degree recklessly endangering safety. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Banks, that would be the bozo who got on the freeway going the wrong way, was issued citations for driving the wrong way and driving with a suspended license. Now, I want to just focus on that last part because we regularly talk about people who are fleeing the police or people who are driving the wrong way on the freeway by fleeing the police or people who are stopped for drunk driving trying to flee the police. And one of the common elements, now I'm not going to say that this is the case in 100% of the cases, but my guess is it is the case 85, 90, 95% of the time when you arrest someone who's, I don't know, driving drunk for the third, fourth, fifth, sixth time or trying to flee the police, a lot of times it's in a stolen car. But my guess is 85 to 95% of the time, 
one of the common factors is that the person who is driving does not have a valid driver's license. Maybe they never had a driver's license. Maybe they are driving on a suspended driver's license. Maybe they are driving on a revoked driver's license. But regardless, they are driving when they are not supposed to be doing this. Now, the cops give them citations, and that's fine. But in most cases, what happens is the people just wad up the citations, they throw them away, and and they, they don't make any effort to pay them anyhow. It's not going to help if they're driving a stolen car on a revoked or a suspended or with no license. But in the event it isn't a stolen car, in the event that the car belongs to them or the car belongs to a friend of theirs who's lent it to them or in the event the car is titled in somebody's spouse's name, I have long believed that the way to stop this, if we agree that getting people off the streets, just like we say felons shouldn't have guns, I firmly believe that if you do not have a driver's license, you should not be behind the wheel of the car. And if we were serious about getting people out of cars who shouldn't be driving because they don't have a license for whatever reason, I think that there's one big thing that we could do, and that is start seizing the cars if you are caught driving without a driver's license i think your car the car that you are driving should be subject to seizure and if it's your car boom it's gone if it is a car that belongs to someone else the burden then should be on them to come in and say hey you know, we didn't know this guy had didn't have a license. We didn't know he wasn't able to, to drive. And so what that means is, obviously, if the person's driving a stolen car, you're going to give it back to, to the victim. But if it's one of those deals where I don't have a driver's license and I'm taking my brother's car or I've got the car titled in my wife's name and I'm driving it, it would be a burden of that person to come in and prove that they didn't know that you weren't entitled to drive. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is big story number one. If we were serious about wanting to get people off the road before they do things like drive the wrong way on the freeway, what we would start doing is taking the cars of people that we get who get caught driving with a revoked license, driving with no license, driving with a suspended license. 414-799-1620. Should we start looking at taking cars? 414-799-1620. My answer is you bet. We discuss right after the break. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 414-799-1620. You want to talk about getting people's attention. You start taking their cars. Again, it's not perfect because it doesn't help with the stolen cars, but it would sure as heck with help with a lot of other vehicles. We discuss next. If you're on the line, hang on. It's 1219. This is Jeff Wagner. 1222, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, let's see. Kyle and Wallatosa says, totally agree, Jeff. When someone disregards the safety of the community, I support disregarding the privilege of owning a vehicle. Owning a car isn't a right. How difficult would this be for the government to do? Not difficult at all. Debbie says, I agree big time. We're talking about seizing cars if people are caught driving the vehicle without a valid driver's license. That is on a revoked license, a suspended license, having no license at all. And 
if somebody wants to claim they are an innocent owner, gee, I didn't know, you know, he was driving the car. Well, okay, they should have to come in and prove it. Um, now, Michelle says they're probably driving crappy cars, so what good is it going to do? Well, sometimes, yeah, first of all, it's going to get them out of the car. That's number one. It's going to take the car away from them, so they're not going to be able to continue driving without a license. That's number one, crappy car or not. Number two, I don't know that it's always going to be a crappy car. Um, let's see. Um, another text. Uh, they'll, they'll say this will. there's going to be a loophole. This will lead to people saying he stole my car. Okay, fine. All right, if, if you want to come in, let's say... Let's say your brother-in-law is driving your car and doesn't have a license. If you want to come in and say, my brother-in-law stole my car, all right, that, that's, that's good. If you want to say, my brother-in-law stole that car, then you prosecute the brother-in-law for, for car theft. All right, that's, that's fine, too. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Keith in Fond du Lac. Keith, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, you know, this is a topic that always interests me. I've worked in law enforcement for over 20 years now, and during the course of that time, the laws have changed so much, it's been unbelievable. When I first started, there was a difference between suspension and revocation. And if a person got three suspensions, it equaled the revocation, the revocation, it automatically became a crime. Well, now they've combined the two, and the only time it's a crime is if it's OAR-related. Right. I don't know how many times I've stopped people who have eight, nine, ten previous driving after suspensions. And all they do is get another fine. They yeah. keep on going. Right, and, they, and most times my guess is they ignore the fine. And we don't have debtor's prison, so they don't pay the fine, so nothing happens to them at all. Well, I know an individual right now uh, who's from the municipality I work who has almost $40,000 in unpaid fines for driving after revocation, yeah. failure to pay fines, things of that nature. There's no consequence. Yeah. If we took his vehicle, there would be a consequence. Yeah. And they had to pay uh, $200 to get it out of an impound lot or whatever. And it would also be a source of revenue for local businesses, for the local departments, things of that nature. Well, well right, because as it is right now, Keith, the guy, I mean, I mean figuratively speaking, he, he knows nothing's going to happen to him, so he keeps driving and driving and driving, and it just becomes a joke. Well, exactly, exactly. There has to be some consequences to it right now, but there isn't. And yep. part of the reason there isn't is because the large metro- metropolitan areas, Milwaukee, Madison, whatever, have such a high volume of people driving without licenses that yeah. they felt it was too punitive to certain individuals. Yeah. So they just changed the law. So yeah. There is no crime anymore. Yeah. No. Th- thanks for call. You're you're exactly right. And, and you have all these bleeding hearts who say, "Well, okay, if, if if you take away somebody's if you take away if you take away somebody's car, well, they're not going to be able to get to work." Well, 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 wait a minute. All right. They're not supposed to be driving in the first place. All right. So so if you take away the car, then you make sure that they're not going to be able to continue doing this. Otherwise, let's just throw it up in the air. Let's just say, well, forget about it. Don't bother having licenses. You know, just let anybody that wants to go out on the roadways drive on the roadways. To me, that's just absolutely ridiculous. This is a way of preaching responsibility. And if you don't want to have your car taken, well, it's not that hard. This makes chumps out of all the rest of us who who make sure that our driver's licenses are renewed, who make sure that, you know, we pay off our tickets, who make sure that we drive in a responsible fashion. These people who do this make chumps of us all. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Penny in Palmyra. Penny, good morning. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What do you think? Um, I work in law enforcement, and uh, this has been one of my pet peeves for years. Um, if you don't have a driver's license, you shouldn't be allowed to register a car. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and when your license is suspended for operating while, you know, while intoxicated or civil judgment against you or whatever, every vehicle that's connected to you should have its registration suspended at the same time. Mm-hmm. They're connected through DOT records. Right, 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 right. And then when somebody drives the car without having it registered, then you take it, right? Right. Yeah. Right. You got. It. Otherwise, you're never going to get these people. You're never going to get the scoff laws out of out of the cars. They're just going to continue. And that's we see this happening all the time. How many times do you hear these stories about these chases and things like that? And if it's not a stolen car, you know, you know, dollars to donuts, it's going to be that the driver's not going to have a valid license, suspended, revoked, never had one, and not doesn't care about it because there's no consequences. Yeah. And along with that, you have to significantly increase the fine for anybody that allows somebody yep. to not to, to drive their vehicle without a license um yeah either either that thanks to call or like i say i take it i mean I, I i would just take it and if you want to come in and claim that you are the innocent owner i didn't know he wasn't able to drive all right well all right i want you to say that under oath if you're married to him or or to her or like i say all right if you're if your pitch is going to be your brother-in-law was driving your car and you know he he stole it Okay, fine. Say that under oath, and then we're going to use that as a basis to charge your brother-in-law with being a car thief, if, if that's really where you're coming from. I guess I, and I bring this up because I am just sick to death of, of seeing all of us played as chumps by that segment of society who just doesn't give a rat's rump about all the rules that everybody else play with, play by. And so, okay, I don't have a license. I've gotten suspended for drunk driving or whatever. Here, I'm just going to keep driving, and nothing's going to happen. The sheriff's department's going to give me a citation. Well, big deal. And I'm not faulting the sheriff's department for that. Yeah, they, they do what they can. But if you want to make the rest of us safe, start taking the cars of these losers and if they don't have a car to drive, well, all right, they're not going to be driving without the they're not going to be driving without a license. And you start taking cars and the word is going to get out pretty darn quick. And if you've got the people that are enabling them, all right, Harry, you know, well, let's register the car in my name so you can then drive it. Well, you start taking that car and pretty soon the people that are the legitimate owners, they're not going to be enabling it. It is so simple in some respects, we just need the guts to do it. All right, big thing number two is coming up. President Trump isn't going quietly into the Thanksgiving holiday either. It's 1229. This is Jeff Wagner. 1236, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I am feisty today. I am feisty. I did, during Eric's news, he was talking about how Rockwell Automation, Rockwell, you, Rockwell took over Alan Bradley. And, of course, um, Alan Bradley, huge Huge Milwaukee presence. Um, Rockwell, while they've got headquarters here, Allen Bradley used to be a huge manufacturing plant, and, and pretty much manufacturing is pretty much done. I mean, I um, my, my brother-in-law used to he was he actually was one of the last union workers that w- was there. It was his his class that ended up being like the, the last ones that were were working at at Rockwell. Um, it's really. It's actually very, very sad to see, you know, what's happened to that that company as far as, again, manufacturing over the years. Rockwell Automation has rejected a third takeover proposal from Emerson Electric. Um, The management and board of directors saying, okay, it's not worth it's not worth enough. This is what almost always happens because 
management board of directors doesn't want to lose their jobs. I take no position on whether this is a good deal or or a bad deal, but they're they're saying no. It's um, it's probably good for Milwaukee, at least short term, even given what Rockwell has done with moving manufacturing out of Milwaukee. It's, it's probably good because if this deal went through, in all likelihood, you would imagine the headquarters would then go to Emerson's headquarters in St. Louis, and that wouldn't be a good thing. And we all know uh, Johnson Controls, which what last year completed their merger with um, Ireland's Tyco Corporation, that has been a disaster for, uh, in my opinion, a complete and total disaster for not necessarily the board of directors, but for employees at Johnson Controls and shareholders of Johnson Controls, who, at least in my opinion, were completely and totally hosed by this deal where Johnson Controls, again, does this merger where they're moving their corporate headquarters to Ireland and all these jobs are going away. And again, the shareholders, well, there's lawsuits that have been filed in connection with that. But um, I, I don't know if the Johnson Controls deal is any indicator you you you're glad to see that Rockwell is saying no, um, because Johnson Controls, like I say, was just a disaster, again, for employees at Johnson Controls and for shareholders at Johnson Controls, and that's working its way through the courts as we speak. All right, big story number two. Now, Gru, you, you know who LeVar Ball is, right? You're a, you're a sports fan. All right, LeVar Ball is the father from you-know-where. LeVar Ball is the he's got three kids who are all very, very talented basketball players. The oldest son plays. He's the number two draft pick. He plays for the Los Angeles Lakers rookie in the NBA. And LeVar Ball sort of orchestrated the son going to the Lakers. Uh, the kid seems like a nice kid, a nice young man, but because the dad is such a boorish loudmouth, the, the kid is now sort of sort of targeted, and so you know he's off to a really really rough start, in part because I think the other players on the other teams are really focusing on him, and they don't like it that the dad is such a loudmouth talking about how his kid is already going to be the greatest player in NBA history, and the other players don't like that. So you've got the one. His second kid is named uh, LaAngelo Ball, who plays, he's a freshman for UCLA, and he's probably only going to play one year for UCLA. The NBA has this rule where you have to play one year um, before you can go into the NBA, um, whether you play overseas or you go to college for a year, but he's probably going to be a one-and-done. Then he has a third kid who I think he's pulled out of high school, and he's sort of um, now... uh, He's homeschooling him, I say that in quotation marks, so the kid can play basketball. But anyhow, the, the second kid, uh, the one who plays for UCLA, is in China a couple of weeks ago with the UCLA basketball team. And he and two of his teammates go into a Louis Vuitton store in China, and they shoplift a bunch of expensive sunglasses. Okay, let me just stop there. What a bunch of morons. Here, I mean, here you have this kid who's going to, in the relatively near future, be a highly paid NBA player in all likelihood. All right, you're, number one, you're, you're shoplifting sunglasses. Number two, you're shoplifting sunglasses in China, okay, which 
is not amused by theft in general, and they're certainly not amused by foreigners coming into the country and uh, stealing stuff. So the, the three the three are arrested, and they're like on house arrest, and the rest of the UCLA basketball team flies back to La La Land, leaving these kids behind. And there's all this concern because theoretically they're looking at, oh, a, a long time in 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 jail. Now, you know, I don't know what Chinese prisons are like, but I, I saw the movie Midnight Night Express, and I don't want to be in a Turkish prison. My guess is Chinese prisons aren't too much better than that. So President Trump is in China a week or so ago, and apparently as part of the meeting, President Trump negotiates or asks the, the president of China to, to let these kids out. And and this is part of the thing. You're talking about trade. You're talking about North Korea. But Trump also spends some time discussing letting these kids out. And I think everybody agrees that after you know Trump intervenes, the president of China lets these kids go back home. And so now they're you know back in California and they're you know enjoying the world. They've been suspended from the UCLA basketball team for a little while, but still they're, they're not in a Chinese prison. All right. Now, LeVar Ball, for reasons that pass understanding, other than the fact that the guy is a loudmouth, he decides he goes and gives an interview, I believe, with with CNN, where he essentially says, well, first of all, this wasn't that big a deal. Okay, which would probably be news to his kid if his kid is looking at spending five or ten years in a Chinese prison. Then he goes on to say, and I don't I don't know, um, you know, I don't know what what Trump is what Trump is talking about here, you know, he he didn't do much. If I was going to be thankful to anybody, I'd be have to be thankful to, you know, the the president in in of China. He's the one that ultimately, you know, let the guy out. Um, you know, and I I helped my son get out of China. I had some people that had boots on the ground that knew the situation. So he he essentially disses the president. Well, President Trump, who has his own sort of thin skin, you know, didn't like that, and he lashed out, you know, earlier with tweets saying, I should have just left the kid in prison. You know, I, I, I may, if this is how ungrateful, the lack of gratitude I'm going to get, I should have left him in prison. Well, the war of words has escalated. And this morning, let me see, got the tweets here. This morning at 4, okay, the first one came out, 4.25 a.m. Eastern Time. All right, Gru, what were you doing at 4.25 this morning? You were sleeping. I was sleeping as well, yes. But President Trump wasn't sleeping. President Trump was on Twitter. So here's what he puts out at 4.25 a.m. Um, he says, it wasn't the White House. It wasn't the State Department. It wasn't Father Lavar's so-called people on the ground in China that got his son out of a long-term prison sentence. It was me, capital letters. Too bad. LeVar is just a poor man's version of Don King, former fight promoter, uh, but without the hair. Just think. All right? Then, um, eight minutes later, 4.33 a.m., the president sends out the following tweet. Just think, LeVar, you could have spent the next five to ten years during Thanksgiving with your son in China, but no NBA contract to support you. But remember, LeVar, shoplifting is not a little thing. It's a really big deal, especially in China. Ungrateful fool. <laughs> okay. This is, and this is uh, President Trump lashing out again at 4.30 this morning. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. LeVar Ball 
is a complete and total. Our, our, the word for today is, by the way, jack wagon. LeVar Ball is a complete and total jack wagon. There, there's no question about it. But I want to talk about the, the president. Um, is this a situation where clearly LeVar Ball, ungrateful, doesn't appreciate the fact that, you know, President Trump apparently did intervene to get his kid out. That doesn't appear to be in controversy. But given the fact that, you know, he has, you know, LeVar Ball, not grateful at, at all. Should President Trump have just let this go? I mean, I think obviously Trump is right. He's dealing with, well, I, I think he is dealing with an ungrateful fool. I, I think that's fair. But he's the president of the United States, and this is the, this loudmouth stage manager father. Should he have let it go? Was it beneath the office of the president to engage in this sort of fashion? 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this a situation where even if President Trump is right, he's wrong in lowering himself to the level of someone like LeVar Ball? Or does LeVar Ball get what he deserves? 414-799-1620. When we come back, I'll tell you what I think, and we will discuss. Um, is, this, is this punching down? And even though it's deserved, um, should the president have just let it go? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1246, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1248, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Now, don't get me wrong. I I think LeVar Ball is a complete and total, the word for today is jack wagon. There's no doubt about it. I think he is an ungrateful jerk. And I think, you know, um, this is one where... Next time his, you know, no good basketball playing kid goes over and decides to shoplift in China, you know, maybe next time, you know, the U.S. government through the president of the United States will decide not to intervene and let him see if he can work it all out. Having said all that, though, this is another thing that that does, it is a frustration of me with the president of the United States. Even when he's right, he's wrong. I, I think it was fine for him to intervene and get these basketball players out so we don't have a repeat of Midnight Express and that, you know move on with that. I think it was wrong for the ungrateful stage manager daddy to you know act out and decide he, he feels the necessity to diss the president. But, you know, President Trump is the leader of the free world. And, you know, if he's not going to be asleep at 425 in the morning – I would imagine that he has more important things to worry about than this ungrateful stage managing daddy. I think he would be much, much better off if he would just let this stuff go. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Don and Madison. Don, good afternoon. Hi, how are you? Good. What do you think? Should Trump have just let this go? Of course. It's beneath the office of the president of the United States, but you know, it's certainly not beneath Donald Trump. He's shown himself to be very immature and these things are all about him and his ego as opposed to what's in the best interest of the united states of america if he would think that way once in a while we'd be a lot better off yeah and i get it it's just it's this need to respond to anything and again i i think he did something good he did something nice the kids actually you know once they got out i mean they they i think were i think they they thank the president for his intervention who cares what this loudmouth dad thinks all you've done now is make this a second or a third day story just move on let the blow hard blow i would guess exactly right and and it just it's, it's, it's beneath the dignity of the office. It's just, you know, every day he kind of shows that he doesn't get the position that he's in, and he just takes things so personally, 
And again, it's all it's all about Trump, not about the United States. Yeah, yeah thanks for the call. Now, I mean, the, the press secretary, Sarah Sanders, has a statement. And LeVar Ball is just another example of how liberals will literally hate Trump no matter what he does, up to and including quite literally saving their children's lives. That's correct. I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with what they're saying, but who cares? I mean, why do you need to engage this loud-mouthed dad, and all you've done is you've given you know him, him another... He's now going to be featured for, you know, another 24 hours in a news cycle. I mean, he's an ungrateful, loudmouthed dad. But if you're the president of the United States, why do you give him that particular forum? I mean, I I commend President Trump for what he did. I mean, he helped get these three American kids out of a Chinese prison, which they probably, you know, would. So he did a good thing. But all right, you've taken your victory lap. You don't need at four o'clock in the morning to engage with the the idiot jackwagon dad, Bill in Oconomowoc. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Bill. Bill, Bill, Bill. Okay, let's try Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff, Hi, and, and happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, sir. Yours. Uh, you know, Lavar Ball is nothing but a loudmouth absolutely a citizen of the United States who has no clout whatsoever, you know, beyond his boys. And and and, and I, I agree with the first caller that the, uh, President Trump doesn't understand the kind of decorum you have as, as, as being president of, 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 like, the most powerful nation in the world. Yeah. And, 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 and so the, the individuals in, uh, around the world, and I'm not looking at LeVar Ball, they're looking at President Trump. Right and his and, and his tantrums that he keeps going off on, and, and so it, it, it's just it's disrespectful not only to to to, to this to, to 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 this country but but also to the office of the presidency. I, I just don't understand why he gets into these pissing matches. It, it's just childish. Well, I, I well, just don't it, get it. yeah, it is. I mean, it's kind of like, and you know, you make an interesting point about you know how does the world view this? And again, I I think. You know, President Trump is is right. The, the guy is is an ungrateful whatever. Yeah. But you're, it's how does the, you know how does somebody in Great Britain or in France or in Spain look at this? And they look and they say, okay, the President of the United States is up at four thirty in the morning, sending out nasty tweets about this you know th- this idiot stage manager father. I mean, why just let the thing go? You know, move yeah. on. <laughs> you're giving Lavar Ball Lavar Ball street cred, basically. Yes. The yes. fact is, you're going down to his level to his level. And giving him street cred—that's basically all he's doing. So, yeah. so I, I think it's insane. No, I think you're right. right. And in this case, you know, you let Levar Bar, let, let Levar Ball, you know, in some respects, win the round simply because you know he's getting the attention, he's getting the notoriety, and and that's all that's all the guy wants. And so by by doing this, and again, I understand if I if I were the president of the United States. And I saw this this idiot do this interview on you know CNN where he blasts me, and I, I had gone to bat for his kid and helped get his kid out of jail. And I was the president of the United States. I admit internally, I would probably just kind of shake my head and say, "All right, boy, this is an ungrateful so and so." But but would I would I then go and make it a second or third day story by? Try trying to call him out? No, I I wouldn't. I think sometimes you just have to let stuff go. And I I believe the President of the United States, a lot of his tweets, I understand where they're coming from, and I don't necessarily disagree with some of the things he says in them. But again, it's it makes the story about him, not about the overall issue. And I I continue to believe that 
some, not all, but some of his problems with the poll numbers being upside down to the extent that you believe polls is because he can't stay off the darn Twitter. It's 12.55, big story number three coming up. Also, if you want to see the... Uh, the display that we're going to be talking about that's created all this controversy, you can text the word coexist, C-O-E-X-I-S-T, to 414-799-1620, and we will send that to you. It's 1255. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, coming up in less than eight minutes. Big story number three. It appears tax reform is going to go through and the individual mandate is going to end. We're going to be discussing all that and then, well, a lot of stuff coming up on today's program. You don't want to miss it. How is Central Wisconsin transforming into a hub for workplace talent? The CEO of GreenHeck imparts his knowledge on the team at Newwalkie as part of the Intersection of People and Place podcast, now up at WTMJ's mobile app. When you're there, check out all the different podcasts of the show. I know a lot of people download this program, and I very much appreciate that. All right, big story number three is coming up, along with a lot more. Like I say, we do not go gently into the Thanksgiving holiday on the Wagner program. It's 1259. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 109. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Big story number three. It appears the Obamacare individual mandate is going to go away, perhaps sooner rather than later. The individual mandate is the part of Obamacare which says you must, you must buy insurance or else pay a penalty. Um, Now, first of all, and I understand some people disagree with me on this, but first of all, this, I believe, is incredibly, incredibly wrong. This, this mandate requiring people to buy health insurance is an unprecedented form of federal action. The government has never, ever before required people to buy any good or service as a condition of living in the United States. You know, never, ever, ever. Um, this imposes a duty on individuals as a member of society to spend money for a product that they don't want necessarily. And I just think it is fundamentally wrong to do that. Secondly, the mandate itself is, if the idea is to force people to purchase insurance, well, then what has to happen is the penalty has to be great enough that you you really you really do it. The penalty right now is seven hundred bucks essentially. So it's not enough of a penalty to force people to comply. So there's still lots and lots of people who don't go who don't have insurance. They're just willing to pay the penalty because it is so very very small. I just don't think the federal government, as a matter of philosophy, has the right to tell you that you have to buy something as a condition of being an adult citizen in the United States. Now, you might say to me, well, Jeff, Jeff, in Wisconsin, you have to have liability insurance to drive a car. How is that different? Well, the difference is driving a car is a privilege. Nobody says you have to own a car. Um, but when it comes to automobiles, we have all sorts of rules and regulations. It has to, your car has to have working lights, for example. There's all sorts of rules if you want to exercise the privilege of driving. 
What's more, the liability insurance is there to protect other people. If you go, we, we don't say that you have to have, for example, collision insurance so that if you smash your car, people know what collision insurance is. You know, collision is if you wreck your car, um, and, and you need to have it repaired or replaced or whatever, the insurance pays for it. Well, we don't say you have to have collision insurance. You can decide, you know, if you want that or not. But we do say that if you're going to go out on the roadways and you're involved in a collision and it's your fault, there has to be some minimal, and it is minimal, um, form of protection. But that has to do with the privilege of driving an automobile. We now say to everybody, if you're an adult citizen, we are telling you that you have to spend your money on something. And again, I think that that is way, way, way beyond the scope of what the federal government's authority is. It is unprecedented to tell people that you have to do something as a, and you have to buy a particular service or good, you know, as a condition of being a president, well, being a, a citizen of the United States. Um, so as part of the ongoing tax reform bill, um, what they're looking at doing is they're looking at dropping the individual mandate from Obamacare. The estimates are that over 10 years, this would save over $300 billion because people will choose not to have insurance. And as a result of that, some of the insurance is subsidized, so the, you won't be paying as much in, in subsidies. And particularly younger people will be willing to make that decision saying, hey, I, I'm willing to go without insurance. Now, I think that's a dumb choice. In all honesty, I think it's a dumb choice. But in many cases, this, this being forced to buy insurance through Obamacare or else pay a penalty results in people paying money for things that they're never going to be able to use. You know, we've talked to people on this show on a regular basis where people have said, hey, you know, my insurance premium is about twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000 a year. I've got a fifteen or $20,000 deductible. I mean, I'm... I'm I, I essentially I will never use this health insurance because unless there's a catastrophic situation because I don't have thirty thousand dollars that would be the underlying premium plus the deductible I don't have thirty two thousand dollars worth of medical expenses in any given year but the government expects me to pay those out well in any event the big news today is that one of the question mark votes has been um, Lisa Murkowski, who's the uh, senator, Republican senator from Alaska, who voted against the Obamacare repeal. She's now come out and she said that she backs repeal of the individual mandate because she does not believe that people should be forced by the federal government to buy a good or service. So with her vote, and assuming Senator Ron Johnson comes around, which I believe he will at the end of the day, it looks like you're getting closer to that 50 votes that you need to do, number one, the tax reform, and then to partially underwrite the payment by getting rid of the Obamacare mandate. Now, I understand people will say, well, if, if you do this, you know, people are just going to be, you know, taking the, these risks and you'll have all these uninsured people that will be a drain on the system. Well, maybe yes, but but maybe no. But the idea of the federal government forcing people to have to buy a good or service, I think, is just fundamentally, fundamentally wrong. It is unprecedented, and it's really Big Brother telling you that you have to 
you have to have something because, you know, we think it is in your best interest. So it looks like the individual mandate is probably going to go away. This is, I think, going to hasten the need to have some reforms of Obamacare. But the truth is Obamacare is imploding as it is. It, it's just it's imploding now and it either needs to be repealed and replaced or it needs some major modifications. Uh, again, I think the House was on to something when it started liberalizing, liberalizing with a small l, liberalizing the ability to sell insurance across state lines. I think, as I have argued on a regular basis, we in Wisconsin were much better off with the system that we had where we had badger care and we had the pools that dealt with high-risk individuals and you had choices and you had eight or nine different insurance companies that were competing for your business and you could decide you know, which policy you wanted and what needs you had. I think we in Wisconsin were so much better off you know, before Obamacare than we are after it. But it looks like um, at least one blow to Obamacare is going to occur. All right, coming up next, a Christmas light display is creating a huge controversy. If you want to see pictures of it, you can text the word coexist, C-O-E-X-I-S-T, to 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's 117. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 119. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, I want to back into this story to give you the perspective on this. It is not unusual for private charitable groups to request and be granted permission to use public spaces for events. For example, let's say you belong to the local Lions Club, a charitable group, and you go to your local community and say, um, hey, we're the, I, I'm, we're the Mequon Lions Club. And you go to Mequon and you say, hey, we'd like permission to use the park for a brat fry that we're having on Friday. And it's not it's not uncommon for, you know, the, the city to say, okay, yeah, fine, you, you do it, right? I mean, that that's not uncommon. A lot of times when you see these charitable organizations holding events, they are in public places, and it's given with the permission of the municipality, right? So this is a common sort of thing. Well, let me tell you about the story of this. There's, um, there's a public park um, in Staunton, Virginia, um, and there's a group that for years has been operating something called the Celebration of Holiday Lights. Think Candy Cane Lane around here. Okay, but th- this group, it's the Celebration of Holiday Lights. They are a 501C. They are a charitable organization. And what they, they do, they're, they're privately funded. And what they do, so they're a private group. They request permission of the city every year to um, host an, an event, not unlike the Lions Club doing the brat fry or whatever. And the, the event is a display of holiday lights where people you know, put up various displays and then people drive through and, and look at it. And it's a fundraiser. Again, think, think Candy Cane Lane around here to give you an idea of this. Um, and they're a private, like I say, they're a private group. They request permission to do this. So they're really not part of the, they're not part of the city at all. They're using the city space, but they're using it again with permission, just like the Lions Club gets permission to do the brat fry or whatever. All right. So the group, now this is, this is a display of holiday lights. Right. That's that's what it's all about. It's hey, this is the time. This is the time of the year and where people are going to go want to go out and take a drive. And we're going to go through and we're going to see all the Hollywood the, the, the displays and we're going to contribute money to charity in order to put up a display 
as part of this, uh, again, the group that runs it says you've got to apply. Now, they don't necessarily put up all the lights, but they have different groups that come in and pay a fee to put up these holiday lights that people then drive through and see. The application that you submit to this Celebration of Holiday Lights group um, says that your display has to show traditional winter holiday scenes, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, etc. So it's a holiday light display, right? And again, it's run by this private group. It is in the public park, but it's the private group that runs it. The city has nothing to do with it. So along comes, what's the word for today, Gru? Jack wagon. Yes, jack wagon. Along comes um, this jack wagon group called the Staunton Augusta Waynesboro SAW Action Movement, which is a political group. And what they do is they put up a sign, and I've been showing you if, you, if you sent me the word coexist, which is, of course, coexist is the thing that you see on the bumper stickers, which features, uh, it's been around forever now, um, letters formed by symbols, including some representing Islamic, Jewish, and Christian faiths, okay? So coexist, you see the, the bumper stickers, it is a political statement. So they say, okay, we want to apply to put up a display. Now, keep in mind, it, it's supposed to show traditional winter holiday scenes, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, etc. Their display is a lighted coexist sign together with a sign that says love trumps hate and a kind of rainbow coalition thing that says alley. A-L-O-Y. Okay. So, I mean, it, it love trumps hate. You know, it, it's a political thing and coexist. So the, the other night is the first night of this. And organizers of the Celebration of Holiday Lights pull the plug on the display. A- and they say, well, okay, here, here's the, the deal. Um, we turn this off because it's not, it's not holiday themed. This is, it is a politically motivated theme. Now, of course, the founder of this group says, oh, what, what do you mean? How, how is the word coexist political? Um, and, you know, they're, they're humming, 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 they, they can't tell us. Well, I mean, I can tell you coexist is political. That's the purpose of the bumper sticker. But more importantly, if this is the holiday light celebration, I would argue that this does not show traditional winter holiday scenes, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, etc. And I would argue that under these circumstances, a sign that says coexist, which is clearly a political statement, is inappropriate for this. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. First of all, you know, what kind of jack wagon group tries to hijack holiday displays? I mean, this is... You know, there should be spots where we can go to be without being berated and bombarded with political stuff. You know, this is a fundraiser for area charities and things. People don't want to drive through this and see what is clearly, I think, understood to everybody to be a political sort of statement. That's number one. So what does it say that the group is doing this? But number two, all right, the organizers, at least some of them, pulled the plug. And now they're getting all sorts of national attention for, oh, how terrible this is. And there's pressure on them to allow the sign to be lighted 
frustrated, and I think they might give in to this. My point would be they should tell these people no. This is inappropriate for the nature of what this event has been. And if you allow people to hijack it, I think you're going to end up ultimately hurting the event. It's designed to be holiday lights. And coexist is a political message. That's what they intend it to be. And I think the organizers should stick to their guns and say, no, it's not appropriate. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Right. Does a sign like this belong in this type of display? If people want to go out at Candy Cane Lane and start putting up political lighted signs, isn't that going to defeat the whole purpose of what the event is and what it is intended for and the holiday organizers are very clear that this is for traditional winter holiday scenes christmas hanukkah kwanzaa etc i don't think it's for coexist 414-799-1620 what do you think we discuss next it's 126 jeff wagner wtmj it's 136 jeff wagner wtmj just in time for the holidays wtmj.com is giving you a chance to win an authentic NFL game ball autographed by Packers head coach Mike McCarthy. Just log on to the WTMJCon.com contest page, listen for the special keyword in the podcast player, fill out the entry form, and you could be our lucky winner. You can enter daily, but you've got to be 18 to take part. Official rules at WTMJ.com. All right, before the break, I gave the PG-13 warning, and I have... I have resisted the urge to send out this photo via the text line, but but you can you can find it here. Uh, and Gru, who is producing the show today and always, um, Wagner's rule of life number four is one that everybody should pay attention to. It is that unless you are a porn star, and maybe even then, it is never ever a good idea to take a nude photograph of yourself. And there, there's just so many different examples of that, um, but. But it's just, you know, people just for whatever reasons, whether it's, you know, Anthony Weiner, the disgraced congressman, former mayoral candidate in New York who was taking pictures of his junk and and sending them out. It's just it never, ever, ever ends well. But yet people continue to do this. Now, we are, of course, ever since the Harvey Weinstein thing broken, we are in a a heightened example of sexual harassment and inappropriate behavior and all those sorts of things. And and, and that's all well and good. Here is the latest story. And Eric Bilstadt was just telling you about it. Joe Barton is the longest. He's 67 years old. He is a Republican from Texas. He is the longest serving Republican congressman in Texas. He's been in Congress for 32 years. And I'm I'm looking at this now. Look at the photograph now. It's on TMZ. And no, you can find it if you want to see it. But it has now surfaced that he took a, a... why he thinks these are chick bait is beyond why, why why you thought this would be appealing to somebody i don't know but there is a photograph of him lying back naked displaying his shortcomings as it were and he takes this he takes a selfie and he sends it off to a woman um and it says you know from joe b and i'm i i just with a 
with, with like he, I'm not I'm not even going to read what it says. But I mean, okay, you you get the idea. He he's he's laying back and he's taking this picture of himself in in all his his glory, and he sends it off. This this picture has now surfaced, and there's people saying he should resign. You know that this is this is a career killer. Well, it's embarrassing. But here's we don't know what year this occurred um the the screen capture is dated march 13th at 1:30 in the afternoon uh but i don't know what year it is but but here's here's the story behind it and the guy the guy looks foolish i mean i don't again i don't know how many years ago this was but uh, he was in congress clearly at the time and um here's what he says he says all right while separated from my second wife Prior to my divorce, I had sexual relationships with other mature adult women. Each one was consensual. These relationships have ended. So what this is, is apparently some woman that he was seeing and who he was involved in a consensual sexual relationship with. And these are adults. So he he thinks it's a good idea to send this particular picture to her. Why he thought that, God only knows. But people do think these types of things. So he takes this picture, he sends it off. Um, This picture has now surfaced. Um, And apparently um, the Twitter user who posted this naked shot together with the graphic text also claims to have other videos of <clears throat> Barton in engaging in sexual acts. Um, now, this appears to be, a, to me, to be a form of, of kind of like revenge porn. I, I mean, I don't know if it's one of the women that he was involved with and the relationship ended badly or whether she forwarded it to somebody else. I mean, I, I don't know. But th- this isn't uh, – th- this is – the guy was – Again, involved with several women. He's an adult. You know, they're having relationships. He thought that this was going to be a good idea to send this thing out. He looks stupid. He looks foolish. He says, I'm sorry I did not use better judgment during those days. I'm sorry that I let my constituents down. And it's clearly, you know, embarrassing. Um, You know, we don't know whether, again, the the woman to whom Barton admits sending the photos is the one who's gone public with this or whether somehow somebody else got it. But, um, you know, he he did this, and and it's a dumb sort of of thing. Um, He he said he was going to run for re-election. Here's what I want to discuss with you, and I'm going to describe this as best I can. Should something like this be career-ending? This does not appear this isn't at least based on what we know now this isn't um an unwelcome advance this isn't this is apparently somebody that he was involved in a relationship with so this isn't necessarily anthony weiner where anthony weiner is sending pictures of his junk to uh, again some 14 year old girl or, or something like that this is he's he was at the time going through a divorce. He was subsequently divorced. This was somebody that he was involved apparently in a relationship with, and he sends these photos or these pictures or whatever off. Should that be a career-ending decision? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. 
I will tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss. But what do you think? I mean, what do you think? Obviously, incredibly bad judgment, very, very foolish, and he looks really, really stupid. But is this the type of thing that should, I guess, disqualify him from continuing to be a congressman? What do you think? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 143. This is Jeff Wagner. And I will tell you where I come down on this as well. Stick around. 146. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. If you're just tuning in, here, here's the story. PG-13 related conversation. Uh, Joe Barton, who is, he's been in Congress for 32 years. He's 67 years old. What's just surfaced is a very graphic photo of himself that he apparently took a a few years ago i don't know when what year the picture was taken nobody's saying and he's he's naked and um he he sends this he sends this picture again displaying his shortcomings off um the person who has this picture also claims to have other videos of him again with without clothes on um here's what he says he says while separated from my second wife Prior to our divorce, I had sexual relationships with other mature adult women. Each was consensual. Those relationships have now ended. I'm sorry I did not use better judgment during those days. I'm sorry I let my constituents down. This appears to be, on its surface, you know, an example of what they call revenge porn. I mean, somebody has these. We don't know who leaked these, made these public. We don't know if it was the woman to whom they were sent. Um, or whether it was somebody else that got a hold of these. Don't, don't know exactly. But the question becomes, should this be a career ender? Here's how I analyze this. And feel free to disagree with me, and, and maybe you, you will. I guess I have a couple questions. My first question about this is, number one, what was the relationship between him and whoever he sent these to, was it in fact consensual? I mean, are these are, are these two sixty-year-old? Uh, and I, I mean, he's sixty-seven now. Let, let's are these two sixty-seven, sixty-year-old adults who are seeing each other and have a sexual relationship? And all right, so he sends his photo. Is it stupid? Yeah, a, a, exactly. But was this number one a consensual relationship? If it wasn't a consensual relationship, okay, that's one thing. But was this a consensual relationship? Is this like okay, you're in a you're in this relationship, you're seeing each other, and you're exchanging these type of photos or or whatever? Was it consensual? That's number one. And number two, I mean, who was the person? Was this harassment? You know, was he sending this to? an employee was he sending this to a congressional staffer was he sending this to you know an intern was there a difference in power or something like that if that's the case i view it one way at the same time i I, i'll be honest i mean if if you've got a 60 year old guy and again i don't know if it was seven years ago or whatever let's say you've got a 60 year old guy who's going through a divorce he's out there he's involved in various relationships with women um, and you know it, it is of a physical and adult, an adult um, on an adult level. If if that's all this is, and he, he's sending these photos, I guess I look at this and I think it's embarrassing, but I don't think it's disqualifying. If on the other hand there was a non-consensual relationship, um, or uh, again he was involved with one of his interns, or he was involved and there was a difference in a position of power, well that's different. In that case, yeah, I, I think it is exact dis- disqualifying. Otherwise, I guess I just think that this is 
an embarrassing example of some some bad judgment, but otherwise, I don't think it should cost him his job. And so I guess I, I need to know more about, you know, who it was that he, he sent this to. But um, at the same time, just because the guy's in Congress, if if this doesn't even involve, this isn't even like adultery or whatever, if he's going through this divorce and he's seeing he's involved in an adult relationship and they are exchanging these photos or whatever, is it bad judgment violating Wagner's rule of life number four by taking the nude photographs of yourself because nothing good is going to come of that? Yes, it is. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's not capable of doing his job. All right, let's go to our text line. Let's see. Personally, I believe if the relationship is consensual and something gets leaked out, that this should not end his career. Now, as a voter, other people may feel differently, just how some people are still supporting Roy Moore. If it comes out that there wasn't consent and there wasn't a relationship, then I would look at it differently, to which I would say, yeah, I I would agree. Uh, Mitch and Sturgeon Bay text, it's not a predator. It's stupid behavior between consulting adults. Let the voters decide his fate. Fate. Um, another one. No, this shouldn't disqualify him. It was between adults. More invasion of his... Um, of his private life. Uh, another text. As long as it was consensual, he's an adult. This country needs to get off their high horse and not throw stones. The photo is embarrassing, and that's where it should end. Yes, the photo is extremely I- embarrassing, and it does, again, reflect the bad judgment. But at the same time, at the same time, now, he's made himself look silly, and he's made himself look ridiculous, and... Um, for everybody who's ever seen the great movie The Godfather, you know, there's a scene in the beginning where the movie producer is talking about how he's not going to give Johnny Fontaine the part in the movie because Johnny Fontaine stole this woman that he was cultivating and, and you know, and, and he made him look ridiculous and nobody in his position can be made to look ridiculous. Well, this congressman has made himself look ridiculous. There's no question about it. But but that's all, at least as far as I'm concerned, unless there's more, that's all that he's he's ended up doing. He's made himself look silly. He's made himself look foolish. But I don't see this as some huge transgression. This, at least without more evidence or at least more backing behind it, doesn't necessarily appear to me to indicate this guy is you know guilty of sexual harassment. He's guilty of being foolish. But there's all sorts of people who are foolish, and that doesn't automatically force them to resign. More details will undoubtedly emerge, and again, it's it's not going to make Joe Barton look particularly good. And you do kind of say, okay, what were you thinking? But I am glad, Gru, who's producing this program, I am really, really glad that my midlife crisis is that I can't hit my three-wood as far. I, I just, I'm really, I, I what, whatever else is out there, I guarantee you it's not going to be nude photographs. Trust me on that one. And the world is better off for that. It's 153. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 155. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Many experts are saying the Packers' season is lost. Do they still have a shot to make the playoffs? If so, what do they need to do to get there? Former Packer Larry McCarron shares his insight at 320 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. I love the interviews with Larry because... He calls them like he sees them, um, as much as any commentator I've ever heard. And uh, Larry just says what he says and what he thinks and lets the chips fall where they may. I was at the Packers game on Sunday, and um, I, I just, I, I mean, just being up close, and I, I don't claim to be a football expert, but uh, the, the, the quarterback just is no good, just is, is no good. I don't see how they, I don't see how they, what are they now? Five and five. So I think they need ten wins. That means they got to go um, 
five and what's that? Five and th- five and one. Gosh, there's no way. Run the table. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers saying run the table. No, so they. Nah, I don't. I just. Uh, I, I don't don't see that. But I, look, I'm a Packers fan. Hope I'm wrong about that. But let let me give you a contrast. We were talking about this Texas congressman. I mean, the flip side of this is the story that's emerging about John Conyers, who's the long-serving representative. He rep- he's a congressman from the Detroit area, and he's viewed as, as sort of an icon in the, the civil rights movement and all. Um, now there's allegations that are being made suggesting that there was a um, – he harassed an employee um, and that they paid the employee off $27,000 um, in, in money, essentially hush money, paid from you know official office funds. You know, Conyers is denying, harassing a female employee. They're doing an ethics probe. He says, I, I didn't do it. Well, I mean, this is one that I, I think it's easy. You either, you know, if you have an employee that you paid a bunch of money to under the table, well, that's that's different. You're talking about public funds. You're talking about misconduct involving somebody who, you know, worked for you in your official capacity. And, and yeah, if that turns out to be true, I think that's the type of thing that, candidly, even if you're 80-some years old, ends up getting you charged with a crime. This congressman in Texas, it appears to be, at least so far, something different. He's involved in a consensual relationship, and he's using bad judgment and sending out these photos. But beyond that, it doesn't involve his official his official duties. And you're talking about somebody who is, again, of age as well. I'm just just saying. Um, you know, during the, the break, we, we played one of the commercials, and Steve and I were both talking about the kickoff, the kids, the kids Christmas. I, I do want to emphasize this. I mean, I understand we're all thinking about Thanksgiving, but next week, we've got a number of events coming up. First of all, uh, just a quick reminder, our annual holiday show at Turner Hall is Monday. That The tickets have long since been sold out, but if you've got tickets, remember, um, doors open at 5.30. The show starts at 6.30 promptly. Um, you want to get there early because seating is kind of, uh, it it's not reserved seating. You get to pick out where you want to sit. Um, we're, we're very much looking forward to this, and a portion of those proceeds go to Kids to Kids Christmas. As I mentioned, on Wednesday, the 29th, if you're out in the Washington County area, um, it, it's called Taste of Washington County. It's the Washington County Fairgrounds. It's a huge fundraiser for the Boys and Girls Clubs, and I'm going to be one of the servers out there. I'm looking forward to that. I talk a lot on this program about crime and things like this, and 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 juvenile crime in particular. You know, if 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 boys and girls clubs are great, and what they do is they give the kids you know alternatives, and I, I think again I'm a huge supporter of that. So it's a taste of Washington County, and then a week from this Friday, our first kids to kids toy collection drive. We're going to be doing my show and Wisconsin's afternoon news show from um, VMP Manor Park in West Dallas. They always have a great spread, and we invite you to stop by and drop off new toys. We will collect them and get them to the Salvation Army. All right, lots of stuff coming up uh, in the last hour of today's program, a Wednesday edition of Pop Culture Corner. And how do you deal with those relatives whose politics are different than yours at the holidays? Stick around. It's 2.09. This is Jeff Wagner. So, Eric, during your newscast, I, I, walked, yes, I walked around the building. 
Have you walked around the building in the last like hour or so? There's no one here. There is no one. You you, <laughs> you could roll a bowling ball, oh, yeah. you know, throw through these corridors, and um, you ain't going to hit anybody. Isn't that amazing I mean, how that works? It, it's just I, I walked over to our, our sales, and now I, I understand. For for example, our radio sales, and they 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 are very hardworking oh, people. Yeah, Don't oh, for me. sure. They, they but and and I also appreciate that you know it's like. Okay, why be here if all the clients that you're calling on aren't around? You mm-hmm. know, and anyways, but it, this place is empty. I mean, just <laughs> management, large, everybody's just largely gone. And all so, the doors are shut. All the offices closed up. Now here is here's my tip for if 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 there is an intrepid like TV reporter who, who's like looking for a story. All right, and, and you want a great story. Here's where you go. If you want to do a story on that, you talk about like rolling a bowling ball through someplace and not hitting anybody. You go down to the courthouse this afternoon. <laughs> you know, th- these judges, you ain't going to find anybody. Nothing. Uh, oh, no. Oh, that's, it just used to be. And, and I'd always say that, and then I then people would like grumble. Well, they're you know they're working at home. No, they're not. You know, <laughs> no. I mean, it's I, you go to that Milwaukee County Courthouse. I'm I'm willing to bet, like right about now, and it's pretty much you know, fire that cannon down the hall, and they're not going to be. You're not going to find judges. Let hmm. me put it. You, you might find the grunts that have to be there to to whatever, but um, that's it. And then Friday too. I mean, Friday's going to be another one of those days where just not a lot of stuff happening. You're, and you're off Friday too. I'm taking Friday. And I as well. yeah. so we, Looking forward to that. We, we don't we don't have the high, high road on that, but we're here today, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. doing the shift. Yeah, I just I was walking around. And going, oh my goodness, there's like nobody, hello, nobody here. Hello. Door management doors all closed. You know, it's sort of like, okay, but even though even though management doors are closed, we're still not going to do that topic you suggested, Gru, who's producing the show today, because we're, we're, that'll get me called into a meeting at hmm. some point in time. Pop culture corner coming up um, at two thirty-five, special Wednesday edition. Um, a holiday-themed related one. All right, here, here, here's the introduction to this particular topic. What I want to talk about with you next, as um, as, as you may know, this is I have um, been very, very blessed in many respects this year, and I got married a couple months ago, and to uh, just an absolutely wonderful woman um, who who has a. I, I now have this huge extended family because she's got six sisters. And so you've got the brothers-in-law, and she's got two kids and two daughters, and a, she's got two daughters and two sons-in-law, four grandchildren who now threaten to call me Grandpa Jeff, something I'm, I'm just having a lot of trouble getting used to. But it, but it's just it, it's this wonderful thing. Well, my, my wife's sisters are, and, and I mean this sincerely, that this isn't, this isn't just like fluff. My wife's sisters are all wonderful people who have been very very welcoming and embracing to me i i just i love them all and, and they've been very very kind to me and I mean, that's again that's that's not just fluff that that's how i seriously feel but as you might expect from coming from a large family my wife's sisters have a wide diversity of political views there are some that are extremely conservative and there are some, and you know who you are, who are very, very liberal. <laughs> you know? And, and then, then there's me, who makes a living talking about current events, including politics. And my general rule is that I just, I don't engage. <laughs> you know, it's just that I, I don't, I, I don't engage. I'll, I'll talk about all sorts of other stuff, but, you know, I, I'm, one way or the other, I, I'm not going to debate politics 
with you know my my sisters in law or their husbands or whatever. It's just it's just what I think is is best. And and some of them, and you know who you are, you know, send me newspaper stories or or whatever. And it's I, I appreciate all the input, and but I, I'm just not going to engage one way or the other in politics. It's just I think it will make our relationship moving forward, you know, smoother. I'm I'm interested in hearing your input and, you know, send me these stories and, you know, maybe it'll be something that'll spur a, a discussion on the radio and I appreciate all that. But but at family gatherings, I ain't talking politics. It's just it's just the rule that that I I have. Now uh, now tomorrow for you know our Thanksgiving celebration, I, I'm not getting together with my wife's sisters. You know we're gonna we got a couple different things. We're gonna get together with you know my brother and sister in law, and then um, later on go over to you know her kids' place, and it'll it'll be fun. I'm very much looking forward to it. So it's not going to be one of those settings where there's going to be people that are. We're not going to be having political discussions. It's it's just at least I don't think so. It's not going to be that that kind of group. But I know. Um, many of you, you might be in the, the same situation, for example, that I'm in, where you have, you know, relatives, you know, whether it's direct relatives or in-laws or whatever, who have very strong political feelings. And, of course, those feelings have probably just intensified one way or the other over the course of the last few years, particularly, you know, the last year after the election results. So now you've got the holiday. It's whether it's Thanksgiving or it's Christmas these are your family members. These are your loved ones. You are gathering together in the spirit of the holidays. But there's always that big cloud that's kind of hanging over the table because, you know, the one sister is, you know, to the left of, you know, um, Castro. You know, the one person is to the right of Steve Bannon. 414 799 Now, there's a story I was looking at in the Chicago Tribune that talks about how when politics comes up, what happens is the holiday dinners end up about 20 or 30 minutes shorter um, than, than normal because typically somebody just kind of storms off in, in a huff. But here's what I would like to discuss. Um, in those situations where you have the, the what I will call, not the mixed marriage necessarily, but the mixed family, mixed being you've got Democrats, you've got Republicans, you've got people that love President Trump, you've got people who think that you know Donald Trump is the worst thing to happen to this country, and you all get together at the holiday table. Can you discuss politics, or does politics have to be completely off-limits? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Do you still, can you still discuss politics at the Thanksgiving table, at the Christmas dinner, or have we gotten to a point where we cannot have that discussion? How do you handle this in your household if you've got that diversity of political opinion? It is a legitimate question. I avoid politics like the plague because I just think nothing good is going to come of it. But that's just how I handle it. 414-799-1620. And um, if, if you come from a family, and let's face it, nowadays most of us do, where people have divergent political views. How do you handle it the holidays? We discuss next. It's 217. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Drive home with John. If the Packers season isn't yet lost, what do they need to do to turn it around? The Rock, Larry McCarran with us at 320 this afternoon. Wisconsin's Afternoon News with John McCure on WTMJ. Hey, this is Santa Jeff. 
The holiday's right around the corner. Let me guess, you don't know what to get that special someone in your life. That's okay. I'm here to help. Why not give the gift that keeps on giving? It is the gift of a good night's rest. I'm talking about my pillow. I have told you about how I started sleeping on my pillow several months ago. Neck pain, it's gone. I mean, I swear by this thing. My pillow is great. I don't know how they do it. I don't know whether it's the firmness or how it contours your neck. All I know is I sleep a lot better. I wake up refreshed and I don't have this neck pain. Here is the offer. Just in time for the holidays, the lowest pricing they've ever offered. Buy one my pillow, get one absolutely free. Just go to mypillow.com. You need to use the promo code Wagner, my last name. Um, there's a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty, so you really have nothing to lose. So just in time for the holidays, take advantage of their very best offer. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the buy one, get one free special, use the promo code Wagner, or call 800-953-4163 and ask for the buy one, get one special. You need the promo code Wagner. That will also allow you to get up to 50% off all items on the MyPillow website. It makes a great Christmas gift. It's what my producer is getting from me. I guarantee it. That's MyPillow.com. Check them out. The Senate is debating tax reform, but what's in it for Wisconsin? The Republican Senate tax plan would save middle-class Wisconsin families more than $2,600 a year, according to an independent analysis. The first $24,000 of your family's income would be tax-free, and an expanded child tax credit will help middle-class families save for college and retirement. A simpler tax code would close loopholes so everyone pays their fair share. And lower tax rates would help small businesses grow and create more than 18,000 Wisconsin jobs. No plan is ever perfect, but we elected Ron Johnson to cut taxes. And this plan will help hardworking Americans and boost our economy. Call Senator Johnson at 202-224-5323. Remind him that Wisconsin is counting on his leadership and urge him to vote yes on tax reform. Paid for by 45 Committee, middleclassproject.com. It's 219, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Love that bumper music. Can't get enough Leonard Skinner. Give me three steps towards the door. All right. That is a good segue to what we're talking about now. I avoid I, my my new extended family. They are, and I mean this sincerely, truly wonderful people. Very divergent political views. I'm talking about ranging from both ends of the spectrum. You know, we get together for for things. I I just won't talk politics. I I, I just. I won't. I love them all, and nothing good is going to come of that. Um, there's all these studies out that say in the last year, and it's probably always been this case, but the last year or two in particular, um, things have gotten more animated at holiday dinners. In many cases, they find that holiday dinners are a lot shorter where politics gets discussed because somebody inevitably gets irritated, and then they leave in a huff. You know, can you have a political discussion, or will you have a political discussion, say, at Thanksgiving? Let's start with Al and Racine. Al, you're first. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. It's a sure? long-time listener for you. And I, this, uh, this is a bad subject at the, at the dinner table in, in my household. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at, um, you know, uh, farmers on one end and union people on the other. <laughs> right. And, um, I mean, I, 
once that starts, uh, there's no <laughs> nothing against dragging each other across the table. No, <laughs> yeah, and, and you can and you can just see it coming, right? You can Absolutely. just kind of see it come. Everything will be going along fine, and then somebody will say something, and then the other person will respond. And next thing, you love everybody, but next thing you know. Uncle Charlie and Aunt Francine, they're going at it, hammer and tong. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. When you get them far left and far right at the same table, it's just there's no good, uh, no good coming out of it. <laughs> yeah. I just roll, I roll my eyes, and my wife just she knows what's coming. <laughs> yeah, no, thank, it's thanks. Just crazy. So no, I, thanks. See, and that, that's that's what now. Now, part of part of my philosophy, and, and one of the other reasons I do it, is that. Um, as somebody who makes a living talking about current events and to an extent, this shows about a lot more politics, witness this particular segment. But, I mean, as somebody who makes a living, to me it's kind of like too much work. It's too much like work. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to talk about this. Let's talk about something different. How are the kids doing? Or, you know, what are you doing next weekend? Or how are you feeling? That type of stuff. I, I just, but, but getting drawn into the political conversations because I, I do feel strongly about some of these issues. And I, you know, you, you have somebody who wants to engage you and, you know, they have a particular position. I, I respect that, but I just, if you don't agree and you, you want to try to keep it civil, but nevertheless, you recognize that you're not going to ultimately be able to find an agreement, so why bother? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it, it's like, okay, let's let's just enjoy each other's company. You know, we're family. Let's talk to uh, Deb in West Bend. Deb, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. I'm, I, I just bring back memories of everything, but... Um, when my um, grandfather was old, but anyway, it's Republicans and Democrats, and and it was like we could enjoy Thanksgiving dinner around the table, and he said that to, to us. There, there is no discussion about politics, <laughs> right? Because that that's going to start, and he was wise. He <laughs> yeah. knew that. He knew that. And, you know, it's it's like today, everybody's got their own opinion about stuff, whether it be politics or anything. So why are we arguing over politics? Right, because you're never going to so- – see, that's the other thing, too. You're never going to solve anything. Okay, if, if you're if you're in a family that, that still uh, – let, let's take President Trump, for example. Very polarizing. People love President Trump. People don't love President Trump. If you've got – People from both of those camps at the table. It's not like right. you're going to swing somebody around. It's not like somebody's going to say, "Oh, you're right, Deb. I, I, I'm, I now see the light. Now that you've explained it, they're more likely to say, "Here, take that cranberry sauce and do whatever <laughs> with it or something." Right. <laughs> yeah. So, and, no, th- and it's sad for for one day. It's not sad. I don't know how to say it, but it's sad. But it's kind of actually, jo- 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 you know, I'm joking. Right. But. Um, is for one day that you can spend with each other time, enjoy that day. Well, with right, each other. and just stay away with it, right? I mean, thank. See, I, I think that that's smart. Okay, uh, let me read this one quick because I um, I don't want to get this. Le- I'm okay. I, I'm I don't. I'm gonna. She signed it, this text, but I'm I'm gonna make a decision not to read her name just because that's my Thanksgiving um, gift. Um, my sister-in-law and her husband are ultra liberal. We have to avoid this and these topics at all costs, or else we see the rants on Facebook days later. Um, uh, my family and I avoid the subject matter altogether, and hopefully have a good Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Jeff, to you and your family. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's the other thing too. And and with social media, and I I understand 
um, that, and I mean, just because I've, I've heard this, especially during the election last year, and I'm afraid this is going to be true during the upcoming election season, that, that there, there are families where people don't talk to each other anymore, um, and you get, you're, you're unfriending your brothers or your sisters on Facebook or, or whatever because, you know, you have different politics. Well, okay, I, my, my brother is my best friend. I mean, I just, I could, I couldn't imagine that. I don't know that we always agree with stuff, but it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, it's my brother for goodness sakes. But, you know, people, I mean, it's this politics that in some respects has just divided families. And I guess I understand people feel strongly about stuff. And believe me, I feel passionately about stuff too. It's just, for a couple of days a year, let's just talk about the good things. And, and when Uncle Charlie or Aunt Flo or, you know, Cousin Steve decides he's going to go off on that typical rant about fill in the blank, that's kind of the time that you just say, okay, I think I'm going to go check out the score of the football game. It's 226. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 228, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're going to do a Wednesday edition of Pop Culture Corner related to the holiday and... And Dan, our intrepid IT man, who is here working, along with Eric Bilstadt and I, he's going to be live streaming this. So Facebook.com uh, slash 620 WTMJ. We're going to be on Facebook Live in just a couple minutes. All right. Uh, the city of Milwaukee has apparently okayed this 40-year deal to sell Mich- uh, to sell Lake Michigan water to Waukesha. This is the one where the city of Waukesha turned around, backstabbed Oak Creek, um, and ended up going with Milwaukee. I, I look. I, I like the mayor of of the city of Waukesha quite a bit. We we do events together, so I I, I, I hate to be critical, but what they did was appalling. And mark my words. Um, City of Waukesha, it might have been cheaper up front, but my prediction is you are going to regret, regret, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but somewhere, and probably sooner than you think, you're going to regret making a deal with the City of Milwaukee. And maybe Mayor Tom Barrett is an honorable guy, but my guess is somewhere down the line, somewhere five years from now, ten years from now, um, city of Waukesha residents, you're going to find out that this deal wasn't all that you hoped it would be. I'm just saying. Also, quick numbers here. Wisconsin opening weekend deer kill numbers are down 12 percent. My only my only thing would be to caution. This all tends to work out. The weather up north was not uh, the weather in, in general wasn't great last weekend. Matter of fact, I know a lot of people who just made the decision that they weren't going to go because it was going to be windy and rainy and things like that. I uh, for people who are saying, oh, OK, this means there's something going on with hunting or people are losing an interest in hunting. I, I, I think I'd, I'd wait. I mean, because like I say, a lot of times this evens out. You have big opening day weekends and then the numbers tend to drop off. You have slower opening day weekends and then the numbers pick up. So um, numbers are down early numbers, down 12 percent. Let's wait till the whole numbers come in to decide whether there's an issue or not. All right. Pop Culture Corner is coming up in just a couple minutes. It is a fun one leading into the holiday season. I guarantee it. But first, it is 2.30 with an update from WTMJ's Breaking News Center. Here's Eric Bilstein. The opioid epidemic reaches a milestone. The total number of overdose deaths in Milwaukee County this year is now equal to the total number for all of 2016. 
Fewer deer were bagged and fewer hunters showed up during the opening weekend of the gun deer hunt. The number of licenses purchased this year is down slightly from last. Texas Congressman Joe Barton is apologizing for a graphic nude photo that he took of himself. It was online now. It's on social media. Barton has been in Congress since the 80s. He's taking full responsibility. And Buckstar Giannis Antetokounmpo out for tonight's game due to a knee injury. He's expected back in the lineup, though, on Saturday. Time for the WTMJ Drake and Associates market update. Right now, the Dow is down 54 to 23,535. The NASDAQ up 5 to 68.68. And the S&P down a fraction to 25.98. WTMJ Pella, WI.com, time saver traffic. The afternoon rush is on. There are some slowdown, slowdowns that we're keeping an eye on. 94 inbound from 16 to the zoo. That's going to take you 15 minutes, so it's about a five-minute delay there. And from the zoo to downtown is another nine minutes. So you're on the brakes heading into the city. 4145 southbound from Highway Q to the zoo is okay. A couple of minutes delay near Burleigh, though, but it's about a 16-minute trip from Q all the way to the zoo interchange. Elsewhere, 43 inbound is looking good, but 43 outbound from downtown to Good Hope is troublesome. Right now, that's a 12-minute ride, and they just finally now cleared. They did have some uh, police and some activity there near Good Hope. That has all been cleared, so you should expect that to dissipate even more. And 94 outbound from downtown to Layton, also looking good at the moment right now. That's a 7-minute trip. The WTMJ five-day forecast, sunny today, a high of 35. Tonight, cloudy, a low of 28. For your Thanksgiving day, not as many clouds and a high of 43. Friday, partly cloudy, breezy, mild, a chance for rain late on Friday, a high of 53. Saturday, partly cloudy and windy, high of 42 on Saturday. Sunday, sunny, a high of 40. Right now in Milwaukee, 32 degrees. I'm Eric Bilstad, News Radio, WTMJ. And I'm Jeff Wagner. I'm here my producer, Gru, is here. Dan Dan, the social media man, is here. We're up on Facebook uh, Live. We're going to be live streaming Pop Culture Corner for a Wednesday afternoon to take you into your Thanksgiving. Stick around. It's all coming up. 2.41, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, special Wednesday edition of Pop Culture Corner. The, the best family movie, and you can define family however you want. We are live streaming the segment on Facebook Live. You can go to facebook.com slash 620WTMJ, and you can watch us do our magic courtesy of Dan Dan, the social media man. All right, let's start with Lisa in Wind Lake. Lisa, you're on 620WTMJ. Good afternoon. It's got to be planes, trains, and automobiles. I... My wife and I watched that movie about a week or so ago. I that John Candy, Steve Martin, it it still cra- every time I see that movie, it still cracks me up. My daughter's sixteen, and the last five years, she's uh, insisted we watch it Thanksgiving night when we're done eating. It's been perfect. Well, yeah, it it is. I mean, you know, of course, for people who haven't seen it, it's a story of these two businessmen, you know, trying to get home for Thanksgiving, and it's uh, they take planes, trains, and automobiles. What I like about it, Lisa, it, it's it's really a funny movie. But it's actually, without giving away the ending, if anybody hasn't seen it, last 10 or 15 minutes are incredibly poignant as well. I mean, it's, it's got a message to it, too, that really kind of captures the spirit of the holiday. I agree completely, and that's why it's, it's the perfect holiday movie. I, I love it. And th- thanks for the call. And it's also just funny as heck, and I'm going to resist the temptation to do um, some, of the, some of the tunes, uh, some of the jokes. Uh, let's see. Lori on our Facebook Live page says, The Sound of Music. Yeah, I am... Um, I understand that that movie's been around forever, but 
I love the sound of music. I mean, Christopher Plummer and Julie Andrews. That's one where you you just really appreciate what a what a great voice Julie Andrews had. Uh, I just I love the sound of music, and I'm once a year I'm going to have to watch that as well. Um, they always used to. I don't know if they still show it on Thanksgiving night. I remember that used to be the big night. You'd, you'd see it, you know, in the evenings. And now, of course, you got football. But back then, I, I love the sound of uh, music. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to. Uh, let's see, Zach in Waukesha. Zach, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Uh, family movie that we've always watched. I don't have kids yet, but I'll make sure they start watching it once uh, they're old enough. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful life. Yeah. Um, I've watched it probably every year since I was four years old. Uh, even when I lived in Europe, I illegally watched it online <laughs> just so I could watch it. Um, just so, and it still brings up just emotions that some movies nowadays don't, like when uh, Uncle Charlie hands the the deposit money to uh, Mr. Potter. I can't. I can't even watch it. I'm 27 years old, and I still close my eyes at that part. Right. Even though you know it all works out well in the end, yeah. you're going, "Oh no! Don't do that! Don't yeah, give him the no, money!" No. Yeah. It, it, I can't. I can't even watch it. I have to close my eyes. Uh, uh, and yeah. just that good message too. Just how one person can just change the world. You know. It's, well, it is, and thanks for calling. I mean, and I'm a huge fan of almost everything that Jimmy Stewart does, and, and that's a great movie. And of course, you got Jimmy Stewart, you've got Donna Reed. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's just, it, it's again, it's a wonderful sort of message. And what I like about a lot of the family movies and the holiday movies is they they are kind of they're they're sort of timeless. And it doesn't matter that It's a Wonderful Life was made in, you know, when it was made with the 40s, I believe. It doesn't matter that you've got, um, you know, Sound of Music, which goes back to the, the 60s. It doesn't matter. These movies are, are just absolutely timeless. Let's talk to Dwayne in New Berlin. Dwayne, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, and uh, thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Same to you. Hey, uh, one of my favorites is A Christmas Story. <laughs> You'll shoot your eye out. you shoot your eye out, Ralphie. <laughs> I absolutely love that. I, you know, reciting all the lines and things like that. The best part probably, you know, having the, having the, uh, the triple dog dare you and the tongue <laughs> stuck on the, on the pole outside. Okay, so how, okay, you know, they, they show that. Whether it's TBS or TNT or sometimes both of them, they show it like 24 hours, you know, Christmas Eve to Christmas Day. W- will you watch it multiple times? Oh, I, I last year I probably watched it, and it sounds crazy as heck, I probably watched it for like probably six hours. <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious. I mean, absolutely, it's one of my all-time favorites. So I love uh, It's a Wonderful Life, but by far a good laugh is A Christmas Story. I, I know. See, I, I'm with you. I mean, thanks. For, I, this is, okay. Fair, fair warning, this is the, the first Christmas that I'm going to spend married to my lovely and beautiful wife, Fran. I will, over the course, from the, the time they start showing it on Christmas Eve till the time they end up showing it on Christmas Day, I mean, I will watch it once all the way through. And then I'll watch bits and pieces. I, I, I'll probably do at least three or four hours of that, maybe, maybe even more. I actually, I was thinking about the movie on Sunday because I went to the Packers game and you know it, it was cold I mean it wasn't unbearably cold but you, know, you, you kind of dress in layers I felt like what was the, the, the brother Randy I mean I felt yeah, honest to goodness on Sunday I, I felt like the kid you know in the giant snowsuit because I had like multiple layers and I, I'm kind of like wandering around like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and I was thinking I, I hope I don't fall over because again I'm, I can't get up I just love that movie 414-799-1620 let's talk to um, let's see Matt in Mequon Matt you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. 
What do you think? What's the best family movie ever? I'd have to say National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Funny, but again, um, I, I mean, it, it's a funny movie, and it's got a. But there's those those poignant moments as well. Like the one that always strikes me is when he gets stuck in the attic. You know, and he finds yeah. the old movie projector, and he's watching the old movies of his of his uh, you know parents and when he was a kid. It, it's it it brings a tear to your eye almost. It really does. It really does. And I mean, you can't go wrong with Beverly D'Angelo and Chevy Chase. They're just hysterical. Oh, no, I, no, thank, Such a I, good combo. It, it is. No, thanks for calling. I, I, uh, the, the vacation movies, the original vacation movie I love, Christmas Vacation I like. The other ones, I you know, like the Las Vegas or the European Vacation, I don't think are necessarily that great. But those are definitely the two winners. And, of course, Randy Quaid is the cousin. Um, he, he's, he steals that movie. But um, definitely that's one of the family movies that I love to watch. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, the family movie that you love. Is it Renata in New Berlin? Hi, Jeff. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank okay. you. It's got to be a Christmas Carol with James C. Scott. George C. Scott. George C. Scott. Right. I'm sorry. Playing Scrooge. Yeah, that's. Um, you know, it, it's not. It's certainly not the holiday season until I've seen a Christmas Carol. And you like the George C. Scott one better than some of the other ones, huh? Oh, that is our favorite <laughs> one. We like the one with Patrick Stewart also, but right? George C. Scott, he steals it. He is so good in there. Yeah, he. I. I. That's a good one. I think my favorite. I go back a little bit further. Probably the Alistair Sims one where he plays Scrooge. But they're. But they're all. They're all very very good. Michelle in Grafton. Michelle, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. I love the singing, the dancing, and White Christmas and Holiday Inn, and they're kind of the same, but they're kind of different. But if I watch both of them twice, it's like just saying I saw it twice. Yeah. Saying four times in a row. Well, you know what? What I'm excited about, Michelle, is this year um, free plug for the Marcus Theaters. They they're bringing to the big screen like a half dozen holiday movies, um, and oh. White White Christmas is one of them. And so they've got like there, there's two weeks, and I I, I I mean, it's not a commercial, but I, I mean, I just saw this. Like, the White Christmas is one of them. So, like, one week they've got three that they're going to be showing. The next week they're going to be showing another three. But White Christmas is one. I have, I've never seen that on a big screen. And I got to imagine. Not either. I would love to. So, thanks for sharing that. Well, there. Yeah, free, free. Thank, thanks for free plug for the Marcus Movie Theaters, and you know, check the schedules and stuff. I just saw that that was that Elf is another one that they're bringing. There's like a half. Dozen, I think Home Alone. I think a Christmas Story. Don't quote me on that. But check. I just check. I saw it that they're bringing these holiday movies, and you know, for a couple of them, like for example, White Christmas. You know that I've always seen on television. Um, I got to imagine that you go and sit in the, and see that on a big screen. That that's got to be incredibly, incredibly cool. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's see, Rita in Pewaukee. You're on six twenty WTMJ. Hi. Hi. Best family uh, movie. I, it was fantastic because it has family with uh, the kids and with animals and uh, laughing all the time. Okay, so what 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 no what movie were we talking about? Home Alone? Is that yours? Home Alone. Home Alone, yeah. With Macaulay Culkin. I um I I just <laughs> and Joe <laughs> Pesci, yeah, I just you know, and it, it's so funny because you, you watch that movie, and in some respects, it seems like it's so silly it couldn't happen. But if you come from a big family, I've talked to people who came from a big family, and they could understand, yeah, I could see how we'd leave a kid home alone. <laughs> I could see how that happens. Yeah. So, no, Home Alone is it just, I mean, just an outstanding one. And the, the second one's okay, um, but 
the uh, the original one, I think, is the best. Let's talk to Mark in Whitewater. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Um, well, I guess it's not a family movie. It's rated R, but it's one of the best Christmas movies I've ever seen. Uh, Love Actually. I have never seen Love Actually. Wow. Is it is it worth I I should, huh? Oh, my God. Hugh Grant, Liam Neeson, L- Laura Linney, uh, Colin Firth. It's a long movie, about two and a half hours, but uh, the first time I saw it, Five years ago, uh, we showed it at the Whitewater Senior Center. It's got it's got naughty bits in it, uh, right? But it, it's just, it's hilarious. Part of the story takes pl- part in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay, love actually. I, I think I've heard of it. I, I've never seen it, so I don't have a comment on it. But I, I'm putting it on my list. Okay, let's go to our text line here. Get a couple of those out. The movie that I never that that. I never appreciated, but lately has become our favorite, is The Bishop's Wife with Cary Grant, Loretta Young, and David Niven. Just a great feel-good movie. Yeah, that's, and again, they they did a remake with uh, Whitney Houston, I believe, was in it. Stay away from the remake. But uh, the original, The Bishop's Wife, just a a great movie. Okay, I agree with the last caller. Love Actually is awesome. Like I say, I haven't seen it. Um... Um, a Christmas Story. See a lot of people saying a Christmas story. Uh, no argument with that. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. A lot of that as well. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to James in Milwaukee. James, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, I have to say a really good uh, Christmas movie, Die Hard. Either the first one or the second one. Okay. Really good. Well, okay. It's now I'm talking about family movies, I guess. Now that it is set yeah. at Christmas time, but um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So again, I, thanks for calling. I mean, okay, it's, it's, it's set at Christmas time. I, I get it. I'm not sure I necessarily think of Die Hard as being a family movie necessarily, unless it's kind of like the Adams Family or something like that. But it's but it is set at it is set at Christmas, and you know it does have sort of a happy ending. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Shelley in Milwaukee. Shelley, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What do you think? Uh, my favorite of all time is the original Christmas in Connecticut. Ooh, ooh, that you're 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 dating yourself a little bit too on that one. Well, <laughs> way before my time. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Right. Okay. All right. Now that's another. That's a very. That's a very sweet movie too. I mean, with a, a, another good message movie and another feel good mi- movie as well. Yeah. Yeah. Christmas in Connecticut can't, can't go wrong with that. Let's talk to Reg in West Dallas. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, sir. I love a Muppet Christmas Carol. I, I do too. In my in my favorite version, the songs are great, and you feel so good at the end when Scrooge turns around. Because Michael Caine's an amazing job. I, I I you know I do too. It's funny you should mention that because I just got three on our text line that say a Muppet Christmas Carol as well. I. I um I, I, I like that. No, I, I, I'm with you. Thanks. I also, but I'm a sucker for that stuff. I also like the Muppet movie. And I will tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to t- focus on, on like movies and all, but Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, the cartoon, um, I, I love that one. And they've, they've got catchy songs. And I'm a, I'm a Mr. Magoo fan as well. So, I mean, I, I love that one. Angelina in Oak Creek. Angelina, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello. Hi, Angelina. What's the best Hi. family movie? Um, the Grinch Who Stole Christmas. The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. You're talking about the movie or the TV show? Which one? Movie or TV? Movie. The movie or the TV show? 
Um, the movie. The movie. Okay, with Jim Carrey. I like that. The TV show. Thanks for the call, Angelina. The TV show is great as well, but the movie with uh, um, yeah, Jim Carrey's in that, I think. But uh, I'll tell you, Boris Karloff, the late, great Boris Karloff, is the narrator of The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Either one is absolutely great. Okay, um, let's see. We've got a lot of great ones that are here. Um, Elf is getting a lot of nominations. Ah, a lot of people want to weigh in. Um, again, I, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's Christmas vacation or the sound of music or, or whatever. Bottom line is holidays are the time that we get to get together and hang out with our loved ones. And maybe it's a time, like we were talking about earlier, to kind of put aside the political disagreements and the things that might separate us and recognize at the end of the day there's really more that brings us together. So whether it's Die Hard or whether it's The Bishop's Wife or whether it's Christmas vacation or whether it's the bells of St. Mary's, you know, you name it, that doesn't matter. Um, have a very happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back in just a couple minutes to find out what John McCure has on his mind for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. It's 2.55. This has been Pop Culture Corner. Thanks to Dan Dan, the social media man, for making this happen on Facebook Live.